We're recording for the safety of all the Jews of the world, especially our soldiers. Um, I wanted to do the laws of Shabbat because they say this year was a, the Arachaner. The Gemara brings that it's, it could be a little bit dangerous when we don't blow Rosh Hashanah on Rosh Hashanah, the shofar. Now this year we didn't blow it because of the Shabbat. So one of the great commentators, the Arachaner, Laner says, because we didn't blow the shofar, it could either be an awesomely good year or a dangerous, difficult year. And so far, being that I was in Israel, it seems to be a, one of those hard years. The same year COVID-19, Shabbat fell on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah fell on Shabbat. So the, the shofar... Reminds us of the great sacrifice that Yitzchak did in this week's parsha, the Akeda. And since we don't have that extra credit, we have obviously the keeping of Shabbat, right? Because our rabbis were worried that God forbid one person would carry his shofar, which is forbidden to carry on Shabbat. But anyways, one of the great postkim of our generation, Rav Zilberstein says that everyone he guarantees that anybody that is constantly reviewing the laws of Shabbat every day, especially on Shabbat, is going to be safe during this very, very dangerous time for the nation of Israel. Because it says, Shabbat One who keeps Shabbat, Hashem watches over him. So it's a wonderful opportunity in our weekly Thursday night share to learn the laws of Shabbat, as many kolalim are doing that. And today we wanted to, I was talking to the students, we decided that we were going to talk about, you know, there's 39 forbidden actions on Shabbat. And the third one is kotzer, reaping. Now, we know whatever was a constructive labor to create our holy tabernacle, the first temple, Mobile temple in the, is also forbidden to do on Shabbat. So, one of the vital, the first 11 of the uh, 39 malachot is what? Sidra de Pas, whatever was necessary to create the uh, challah that they would cook, which was one of the offerings in the temple. So, some commentaries explain that wheat, not only herbs, was being produced. Wheat was necessary for making the lecha panim, the showbread, the challah that the kohanim would eat. And it was one of the regular offerings required to, to present to God in honor of Shabbat in the Mishkan. So reaping, of course, is an essential step of what? Harvesting the wheat, right? Because that's the first... Malacha on Shabbat is is for it's forbidden to um, pound the ground and um, plowing the ground. Then the second malacha out of the thirty nine labor on Shabbat is forbid. It's forbidden to plant. And the third thing is it's forbidden on Shabbat to uproot, severe any living plant or vegetation from its source of growth. Right. This can be accomplished by uprooting the plant, plant entirely, or even just um, breaking off a leaf or a branch or picking off the fruit. 
For example, a common example of this malacha is to pick a apple off a tree on Shabbat. Obviously, you're not uprooting the tree, but that's same thing. It's synonymous to the classical thing that all traditional Jews know of lighting fire on Shabbat. So also it's forbiddenly forbidden to pick fruit, vegetables, flowers, or pulling weeds out of the ground. All of these are the malacha of what? Kotzen, which in English is reaping. Some other common examples of this is shaking a tree or a bush for the berries or fruit to fall off. Or let's say, like me, that you have a gap in your teeth so if you want to break off a twig or a thing to use as a toothpick, that's forbidden on Shabbat. Pulling up a plant even with the express intention of replanting it or transplanting it to like a pot is also you're uprooting something from its source of living and that's considered labor on Shabbat, which is the most severe of transgressions. Now, on Shabbat, we know that um, it's a big mitzvah to make a hundred blessings every day. As King David saw, a plague came amongst the nation of Israel, and King David saw that the remedy would be to say a hundred blessings every day. Now, during the week, we pray three times. Each, each Shemona Esrei, silent Amidah, has how many brachot? Nineteen. So you get sixty right there. But since on Shabbat we only had seven, the Shulchan Aruch in chapter 290, Resh Sadik says, on Shabbat you should have a lot of desserts and special fruits and smell many different herbs and roses and good smelling things. Each one of these you make a specific bracha so you could get to the hundred what? Berachot. For example, my minhag is I save my etrog, I put it in a plastic bag, and then I um, go ahead and make the special bracha of Hanoten Reach Tov Perot on the gorgeous, luscious smell of the etrog, which is so sensational. Now, the, the, the issue over here is that, let's say, you know, Life is so short, it's it's very good that a person should be able to smell the roses and the beautiful... Uh, we live in a community where a lot of people are Persian Jews and they plant beautiful jasmine trees. So the question that comes up on Shabbat, now we want to delve into a specific deep halacha, is that is, a lo- is one allowed to smell... Roses or hadasim, you know, one kabbalistically on Shabbat, they smell the myrtle tree, which we shake its things on Shabbat. Is that, are we permitted to smell those trees on Shabbat? Or is it forbidden because of, um, maybe we should say that it's forbidden maybe to smell and grab the branch of the tree, of the rose tree or the myrtle tree and smell it. Because uh, on one hand, it's a mitzvah to smell it, enjoy Shabbat, Shabbat, anything we just learned in the Messiah Yishalim. Anyway, we could respect and enjoy the Shabbat as a mitzvah. Mm. But perhaps by grabbing onto the 
branch to bring it closer to your nose, you may rip off the thing. And we just learned that reaping on Shabbat is what? Cutting off the fruit or the branch or the tree from its source of nourishment of the ground is what? Absolutely forbidden. It's like lighting fire on Shabbat. And parenthetically, I just want to say, I used to have a neighbor many years ago. Uh, it's just so sad. Uh, I think it's a special auspicious time. We're very, we're coming to the closer to the end of times. Mashiach is here. We just see these outrageous things happening in the world. Uh, I call upon my less observant Jewish brothers and sisters that Shabbat is not a day for gardening. You know, my old neighbor happened to be, her husband used to be always go to synagogue, but you know, ignorance is bliss, but this is a time to learn the laws of Shabbat, both keep the spirit of Shabbat, and um, it's just a shame. You're, you know, the first few weeks keeping Shabbat is very difficult, for, perhaps, to get used to it. But once you keep it, it's the highlight of your life. Because never in the history of mankind have we been so addicted to technology and do we own our phone or does our phone own us? I would say 99% of people, the phone owns them. They don't know, they don't have the discipline and the integrity to be able to use it in the most productive way. Kids are getting major, major psychological problems, ADHD, and a whole host of things because from a young age, they have a free babysitter and free entertainment. So Shabbat is a day that God, to His infinite wisdom, Never in the history of mankind do we need Shabbat as we need it now. Because we become servants of technology, servants, and even though gardening is a wonderful hobby to have, but Shabbat is not the time today to pick your flowers. And um, and the same way it's usher to, you know, it's forbidden to pick fruits and gardening on Shabbat. You can't um, water you know, that's what my neighbor always used to do, water the plants on Shabbat. And, you know, uh, you can't plant fruits on Shabbat, water your fruits and trees on Shabbat, or um, detach and cut off, reap your fruits on Shabbat. So the question is, must one place your hands behind your back, or can you actually smell all of these beautiful herbs and um, myrtles and roses on Shabbat. So Rav Avadia says this is a Gemara in Sukkah. 30, Talmud Babli 37b. It says you're actually allowed to. Why? Because smelling, you're, you're allowed to smell the, the, the different roses and good smelling, uh, trees, you know, flowers on Shabbat and herbs. But Chachamim did make a specific prohibition against smelling and scratching like apples or etrog while it's on the tree because the rabbis in their infinite wisdom were worried that if you smell a juicy orange, you may get drunk from its smell and say, wow, if this smells so good, I'm, 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 how juicy would this lemon or orange or um, apple bee. I must, you know, slice it and dice it open and enjoy its Aiden, Gan Aiden-like uh, 
So Chachamim said, so the halacha is like this. Uh, Rav Ovadia brings very clearly Chazan Ovadia, volume 4, page 77. Rav Ovadia says that, for example, myrtles or roses, it is uh, absolutely okay to smell them on Shabbat, even when they're attached to the ground and under bush or tree. And not only that, in order for you to be able to get a good hold, you know, and guarantee that you're able to absorb the smell, you're even allowed to touch them while you're saying the blessing, right? You say, um, on myrtle or rose, because it's a, it's a tree. And then you say the bracha, it's even, uh, okay to, um, lightly hold on to the, uh, one thing that I've seen in my own experience is you have to be careful. Some of these trees, if you grab it or move it too, too much, the, the branch or the thing, it may fall, the leaf fall off. And you want to be careful not to do that. But you, in a case where you're like a myrtle, that you're not going to have that problem by a hadas. So you're allowed to hold it and smell it. But fruits that are fragrant, you're not allowed to do this because we're worried. You're going to, after you smell it, you're going to go to the next step. And that is to what? Eat it. Eat it. Now, it's a fascinating thing that the Rabbeinu Hananel, one of the great uh, earliest of Rishonim, has a totally different girsa. His version of the Talmud is that it's vice versa. That actually fruits you're allowed to smell, but tree flowers you're not allowed to smell. But the Rokeach says that no. We, we paskin like the Rif, the Rosh and the Rambam and the Ran. They have, they say that our current version is the correct version. And the only possibility reason that there was another version of it, it could be the Rokeach says that on the Shabbat of, of Sukkah, it's Mukse. You shouldn't take out your Etrog and start smelling it, right? Because again, the same thing that we just said about Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of our shiur, that this, there was three different things that if they fall on Shabbat, we don't, we, we, we don't do the holiday, celebrate the holiday, even though it's such an auspicious and special mitzvah. Rosh Hashanah, we don't blow the shofar on Shabbat because we're worried somebody doesn't know how to blow it, is going to go to his teacher and carry the shofar, which that's one of the, also the 39 forbidden things. Also, the Lulav and Etrog, you're not going to know how to shake it because it's confusing, right? You have to shake it north, east, west, up, down. So that's when the one of the great Rishonim, the Rokeach, the Ashkenazi Rishonim says, that's when the Gemara is saying, you're not, not allowed to smell your Hadasim. And also their Muksa, just for the mitzvah, shaking. Even during the week, you're not allowed to what, scratch them and smell them. But um, the Shulchan Aruch also very clearly in um, chapter three hundred thirty-six, Shin Lamid Vav Halacha Yud says that it is totally um, permissible to smell. Uh, 
flowers and good smelling leaves like the myrtle tree on Shabbat, but uh, fragrant fruits, it's forbidden to scratch them or smell them because we're afraid that after the scratching, you may come to um, do what? De- detach them from the tree. Now, another fascinating thing that Rabbi Vadya brings is that the Taz and some Acharonim, some of the commentaries on the our holy book, the Code of Law of Judaism, the Shulchan Aruch, the Taz says, you are allowed to smell it, but you have to put your hands behind your back. You're not allowed to bring your nose close to it. But Rav Ovadia, uh brings from a Mefurish Me'iri, that the Me'iri, and I'll read it for you verbatim, the Me'iri in the Gemara Sukkah that we quoted says, You're not allowed to touch the myrtle branch or leaf or rose. Because it says on Shabbat, you know, we're not allowed to um, climb trees on Shabbat. You know that. Or lean on them. Or use them as a hook for our coats, even if there's an eruv. But he says, It's okay to touch it in order to hold it steady so you can smell it as long as you're not, you know, bending the leaf, bending the branch. Because the Miri says, It's only forbid to bend the branch, right? Or, or to lean on a tree, you know. We were, see, it's such, this, this, this malach of reaping, of detaching a tree, so, the Chachamim were so worried about it, that they said you're not even allowed to lean on, like, because there may be a newly planted tree, if you lean on it, you may what? Uproot it. But, 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 um, so this, Rabbi says the Kafachaim Paskins, like the Taz, that it is, uh, if you want to smell the, 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 the roses and the different beautiful, fragrant flowers and branches of a tree, like the Hadas tree, you, you, you have to put your hands behind your back. But Rabbi says that, uh, based on the, um, Shalosh Yeshuvah space Bet Yehuda and many Acharonim and uh, this Meiri. Not only is it permissible to smell it, but you could even to hold it stable and get a good. You could even touch the branch as long as you're not bending it or trying to, you know, just to hold on to it. It, it is absolutely permitted. Now, the the second part of this that he argues on the Kafachaim is. Rather, let's say Rosh Chodesh Nisan falls on Shabbat. It's a wonderful mitzvah to do Birkat Ha'ilanot. We thank God that not only did He create beautiful trees that have beautiful, luscious, gorgeous colors of fruits, right? Like mango and uh, pomegranate that have that vivacious, beautiful red. I always tell my kids, look, a strawberry, cherry, and pomegranate are all red. But look how great of an artist Hashem is. They all have a different dye. And there's a different, gorgeous, different colors. Now Hashem is so, in His infinite kindness to us, is, not, is so wonderful that not only do these um, trees have wonderful fruits and beautiful colors in the fruit. That's why Rabbi Mutsafi says in Benching, when he said, Bechen, Bechesed, God is so kind that not only does He make the fruit taste good, but He makes it look beautiful. And not only that, 
He has beautiful flowers that smell good, right? All these fruit trees, when they start budding in the spring, they have beautiful flowers, right? So the question is, Rav Chaim Filaji, one of the greatest rabbis of Turkey, I don't recommend him going now there, big anti-Semite Erdogan, but um, he says that it's forbidden to go say, thank God on Shabbat and say, Birkata Ilanot on Shabbat. Because uh, if you go to the fruit tree to say Birkata Ilanot, you may rip off the fruits of the tree or the flowers. Rav Avadia adamantly argues and says, who, who said such a thing? First of all, according to me, if you want to smell even the fruit, you're allowed to touch it, right? You're allowed to grab, hold on to the branch of the tree to get a firm grip so the, whatever, so you can guarantee you absorb the smell good. And he says there's no such thing as we, we brought from the Meiri. Again, arguing again on the Kafachayim. The Kafachayim Filaji and the Kafachayim, you know, there was the Kafachayim of Turkey and the Kafachayim of Israel. That he's the Rabbi Yaakov Chaim Sofer. Which one is the Kafa Chaim that wrote the Halakha? Both of them wrote Halakhic works. One of them was in Turkey. A few. One of them was a hundred years later. There was uh, Ramavadi was a youngster when he, they were alive. Ramavadi actually finished his book. One of them is the Kafa Chaim Sofer. One of them is the Kafa Chaim Filaji. They both believe that it's forbidden to say Birkat Ilanot on Shabbat. Because we're worried if you go near the trees, you may... Well, Vadya says, first of all, you can't make new halachas for yourself. Some people had a custom not to do it, but he says that that's, if you don't have that custom, it's definitely there's no such halacha, right? Because the... Um, first of all, the fruits are not even on the tree yet. Ah, uh, the flowers? We said the flowers, is no problem to smell them and even touch them, right? So for this reason, he says we do not invent new halachot, and he actually brings a beautiful thing. One of the great Geonim, the chief rab, Ashkenazi, chief Chachamim, halachic authorities of Eretz Yisrael, was a great Sadik and Gaon, the Aderet. He says the Aderet would actually, to the contrary, he would specifically want to do the mitzvah of Birkat Alana and Shabbat. Why? To get to his hundred Barachot, right? So, the, um, so just in closing, it's very important to us. Um, my minhag, ever since I got married 23 years ago, I recommend people do this. I probably finished six, seven books. By each meal, we do two laws of Shabbat. That way, um, uh, the laws of Shabbat are very complicated and very numerous. The Gemara Chagiga says they're like mountains of halachot. Of David Yosef, which is destined to be the next chief rabbi of Israel, says always new technologies coming in. He says you could always have an open book on the laws of Shabbat because they're so complicated and always new technologies coming. One could always be learning them in great depth throughout his entire lifetime because it's like it's like almost a limitless subject. So Rabbi Yonis and Ibisfit, Rav Volbi brings the great Baling Musar and Chachamim bring that. The laws of Borer, for example, or Bishol, or cooking, or separating on Shabbat are so complicated that if one at least a few times in his life didn't go from cover to cover and learn the laws of Shabbat, for sure, either by mistake, he's going to transgress Shabbat. And Shabbat is the greatest protection. Make no mistake. 
Rabbi Netaneli Zatzal taught me, my Rebbe, that the more, don't think that we keep Shabbat. Shabbat, through us respecting it and keeping its intrinsic laws, keeps us alive. It keeps us sane. It's a day that we plug out of technology and actually live like human beings. It's a day that we could actually say that we own our phone and our phone doesn't own us. And it's one-sixtieth uh, of heaven on earth. Anybody that keeps Shabbat knows that it's the highlight of the week, that um, when we keep it, we get a taste of heaven on this mere um, physical earth. We get a ray of light, of that heavenly light and that gorgeous smell. That's why every food tastes greater on Shabbat, tastier on Shabbat. And by us doing Teshuvah and being more meticulous in our keeping of Shabbat, Hashem should keep all our soldiers safe and alive. Amen, we've lost, amen. we've lost some 1400 and we lost already as I'm talking 18 soldiers. Hashem should see that we keep Shabbat and He should keep us safe and healthy, wealthy and wise. Amen.